Hello and welcome to True Crime Medieval 1000 Years of People Behaving Badly. I'm Anne Brannan and I'm your host in Albuquerque. I'm Michelle Butler in Maryland, the most medieval state in America. It is indeed. I, <laughs> it is indeed. It has a medieval flag and things like jousting. Today we're discussing the Potsy conspiracy, which is really all about the Medici's, the Potsy's just to be very sad, in Florence, Italy. On the 25th of April, 1478, Lorenzo de' Medici and his brother Giuliano were attacked whilst not only in the cathedral, sanctuary, sanctuary, but actually attending mass by some members of the Pazzi families, hence the name for this particular crime. And Lorenzo was wounded, but Giuliano was killed. And then things did not go well for the Pazzis after that. They had meant to bring the Medici's down, but instead they, well, lots of bad things happened to them. So why the hell would you get to the point where you thought it was a really good idea to attempt to take down the Medici's in the High Cathedral at Mass? It's not like people were not going to notice. So our background, the Medici's had been rulers of Florence since the first half of that century. They had the largest bank in Europe. And, and so though they weren't like official rulers, they were really running things. They were running Florence. They had originally uh, made their money mostly in textiles and they grew and they grew and they grew and they established a bank. And I love this part, they used accounting system such as we still use today, the double entry bookkeeping system, which is a way of finding errors in accounting because the sums of debts have to match up with the sums of credits. And uh, it, it, I mean, you can, you can misuse it. <laughs> you oh can yeah, use it. that's a humongously important step forward. It is really big. Accounting and economics and banking. Yes, you can misuse it. Hence forensic accounting where you find out what people are doing. <laughs> but it means that you can be you, you can be really clear about what's going on and you can catch mistakes much more easily if you're actually looking for them rather than trying to make them and, you know, get by the FBI and whatnot. Uh, it gives a high measure of accuracy. The oldest account books that have, so I got interested in this, the, a little tiny little rabbit hole. So, all right. So the plot twist this week is that you have the rabbit hole. I have a little rabbit hole. The oldest account books that use the double the double book bookkeeping system to come from Florence, though it was probably invented elsewhere. And there's a lot of contenders for that. And I'm I'm sorry, it was a rabbit hole, but I'm not going into it. So the de Medici, <laughs> they were really serious about money, and they spent it on art. For instance, Botticelli, Da Vinci, Michelangelo, Raphael, for instance, and they spent it on buildings. The St. Peter's Basilica, they built that. And also, nicely, ironically, this is so nicely, they spent a lot of it on the cathedral where the Pazis were going to attempt to take them down. That cathedral had been started in 1296, but the structure was finished in 1436 when Cosimo de' Medici had supported the goldsmith, Bruno Lesci, who created the design for the dome, which was begun in 1420 and finished in 1436. So this was a place where, I mean, this was really kind of not just symbolic, but actually a, a real place that exemplified the Medici money and power and how they spent it. Cosimo had, at that point, had controlled the governor, government of Florence, not officially, but through money. But the thing is, powerful families have to deal with enemies. And the de Medici's had pissed off Pope Sixtus IV 
so this is going to be a big deal. He had become Pope in 1471, and he had given uh, positions, cardinal, cardinalship, bishoprics, prefectship, to his rel relations, his friends and relations. And he also <laughs> he also wanted to buy this little town in northern Italy and turn it into a new papal state. Okay, why not? Uh, but the deal fell through at first because Lorenzo de' Medici wanted to buy it too. I don't think he was going to turn it into a papal state. I don't know what he was going to do with it, but he wanted to buy it. And when the deal went to Pope Sixtus instead, Lorenzo's bank refused to finance it. Uh-huh, duh. So Sixtus had a snip fit and he fired the Medicis as the bankers to the papacy and hired the Depazzis instead. Okay. And the Depazzis, by the way, they, they were another Florentine banking family. They had built a church in Florence, though not the cathedral. It was small. And they'd married... They had married into the Medicis. One of them, who was actually one of Lorenzo's childhood friends, had married Bianca, who was the sister to Giuliano and Lorenzo. And how this all got discussed at family dinners after the Pazzis tried to murder both her brothers. I only wish I knew. I don't. Do you anything, know anything about this, Michelle, how Bianca took this? I would assume it was a sore subject. I know, I know. Why doesn't anybody talk about this? I want to know, but anyway, we don't know. But uh, yeah, uh, one of you know, some of his relations tried to murder some of her relations, and I can't imagine that was good for the marriage. But there you go. Uh, so besides the besides the undermining of the buying and selling uh, that town that the Pope wanted, though you know, the, and thereby getting more power deal, the Pope was pissed off also because one of his numerous appointments two positions of power of his friends and relations was sidelined by Lorenzo, who got his own brother-in-law appointed Archbishop of Florence. Okay, so the Depazzis were not as powerful as the Medicis, but they too liked having power, and so they decided to kill both Lorenzo and his brother Giuliano at the same time. And Pope Sixtus, in a very naughty and unpope-like manner, about which I believe Michelle is going to have a lot more to say because this was something that shocked her, shocked her, I tell you, shocked her to the bone, did not actually sanction the killing, but he said that anybody who got the Medicis out of power would not be in trouble with him and they would support them. And also, the Duke of Urbino had 600 troops stationed outside Florence to be ready to move in. Okay, what could go wrong? Da -da -da. So during Mass, Francesco de Pazzi, who was the head of the Pazzi Bank in Rome, and Sixtus's nephew, Girolamo Riario, and the Archbishop of Pisa, Francesco Salviati, attacked Giuliani and stabbed him 19 times after whacking him in the head with a sword. And they wounded Lorenzo in the neck, but, the, but a poet, a good friend of his who was also a poet and the tutor of his children, Poliziano, uh, the Medici were his patrons. He he saved Lorenzo's life by pulling him into the sacristy. Yay! And Lorenzo liked him even better after that. Yay! Any rate, so after that, a bunch of these idiots went over to the Palazzo della Signoria. That is, they went to the town hall, and they attempted to take it, but that didn't work. And Florence did not rise up against the Medici's since they themselves, the, all the people of Florence, did have, did not have a lot of reasons to do so because they hadn't been trying to buy little Italian towns and put all their friends and relations in positions of power or create bigger banks than the Medici's had. And so instead of taking control of the town hall, 
a bunch of these guys got hung from the windows by the Florentines. Da Vinci made a beautifully gruesome drawing of what one of them looked like hanging there and decomposing, and we're going to use that as our little illustration on the website. And anyway, the rest of the crew didn't fare well either. Several dozen got killed immediately. The head of the family tried to get away, but he was found and captured. He was cut, captured and tortured and hung from one of the other from one of the town hall windows alongside the rotting corpses of everybody else who was still hanging there. And then his body got buried and then dug up and got desecrated several different ways. It went in and out of the river, and at one point it was propped up rotting over at the door of what had been the corpse's palace when the corpse was still alive. Lorenzo, getting back to the Medici's, Lorenzo, bless his heart, had begged for restraint and calm. <laughs> but as you can see, the Florentines ignored him. However, he did manage to save some of the relatives, so yay. Uh, including, you know, his brother-in-law. But the, um, the co-conspirators were hunted down and Nicholas Baker tells us that 80 people were executed by the 20th of October. And you remember this all went down about, you know, the 23rd of April. So, so just that many months. And there were still more later. One of the conspirators actually made it to Constantinople, but the Sultan sent him back. <laughs> he got hung out a window as well, but not the window. It was a window of a prison, not the town hall. Because by that time, I think all the rotting corpses had been taken down. So why bother putting them there? And was that all? It was not. The remaining Depotsies were banished. Everything they owned, goods and land, it got, all got confiscated. They were stricken from the public re registers. Their coat of arms was taken away. Anything with their name on it got renamed. Anybody who was named Potsy wasn't allowed public office, or anybody married to one of the Potsies wasn't allowed public office. And... Um, Lorenzo's brother-in-law was under house arrest for a while, but that was okay, really, given the alternatives. And his daughters were allowed to get married, unlike all the rest of the Pazzi daughters, so yay, there's that. Okay, but the Pope fought back. Of course he did. He excommuned Lorenzo and anybody holding public office in Florence. He put Florence under interdict so nobody could take communion or hear mass. And then Naples and Urbino attacked Florentine territory, and all of this ended when Lorenzo went to Naples and allowed himself to be a prisoner of the king who was convinced to broker peace. It wasn't a very good peace, but it was a peace at least. And then the Medicis were stronger because they figured out that they needed to concentrate power, and Lorenzo himself was even more popular because he was so cool, and he worked on maintaining peace and making money. And all the Pazzis were finally able to return to Florence in 1494 when the eldest son of Lorenzo, who was named Piero and had taken over Florence after Lorenzo died in 1492, completely undid all of Lorenzo's constructions of peace and goodwill, or at least not slaughtering each other. Um, and he got thrown out of Florence and then after which he was called um, Piero the Unfortunate. And that was 1494 and the de' Medici's a return to power again in 1512. And that is what happened in the Pazzi conspiracy, which is when the Pazzi family tried to oust the, the Medicis and, and really did not do a good job of it, although Giuliano did die. And that was very wrong because he was gorgeous. Now, you can see him a lot. You know, he was one of the models in uh, Michelangelo's paintings. Uh, Lorenzo himself, not gorgeous, but really, really good administrator. At any rate, 
Jello didn't get pulled into the sacristy, and so he got stabbed 19 times. Now, my question here, because uh, if any of you have listened to the podcast that we did on Mary, Queen of Scots, and that very sad dinner she had when her husband and his cohorts been doing a stupid plot, much like the plot we've got today, uh, stabbed uh, her musician and um, secretary 56 times, we are told. Michelle, at that point, you raised an objection, and I think it was a good objection, that we really can't be sure that it was 56 times because Mary wouldn't have really been able to count while they were stabbing him. It was, there was too much frenzy. And then really was forensics that good that they were able to tell 56 times when they were counting the wounds on the body. I believe that was your objection, Michelle. Yep. How do you weigh in on the 19 times? Do you think this is a thing that will pass our understanding of medieval forensics and could they figure out that somebody has been stabbed 19 times? Or do you believe this to be a little useful fiction? I don't know. I think that it's highly likely that there would be the opportunity for some useful fiction. On the other hand, you could probably count some number of <laughs> of wounds. I mean, it's not going to be exact, right? Because if you're stab, stab, stabbing, you're going to have some overlap. <laughs> Theoretically, you would, yes. I mean, it's not like you're saying to yourself, okay, so what I need here is a really good distribution all over the place, so I'll be able to keep count. You're aiming for the central body mass. Yeah, or whatever you can reach, yes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, yeah. Mm -hmm. And he may actually have been dead already and not moving around on account of that, um, the sword getting whacked on the head with a sword. He might not have been, it might have been fairly easy to stab him. So you could maybe could count one, two, three, although why you would, I don't know. I don't know that you'd count as it was going on, but it would certainly be in Lorenzo's best interest to have somebody look that body over and come up with, come up with a truly egregious number to, um, he doesn't need to garner public sympathy because he definitely has public sympathy at that point, but it every little bit helps mm -hmm. when you're holding on by your fingernails. 19 is a, is a, is a nice number. It doesn't, a rounded number does sound made up, but 19, that's a good number. It's a lot. Now, I, it is not as extravagant as 56 that, you know, the 56 stab wounds that Rizzio theoretically had. You know, I mean, that's just, that's way over the top. Oh, way over. The top. So, um, Michelle, my understanding is that you were a little upset by this story. Good gracious sakes. Oh my gosh. Golly gee. Okay. So here's the thing. Here's the thing. I read a book called The House of Medici, Medici, It's Rise and Fall by Christopher Hibbert, which was originally written in 1974. But the reason I read it is that it kept showing up as, this is a good book to read about this. And also the other one that I wanted to read, which is called April Blood, Florence and the Plot Against the Medici, which I really would have liked to have read. Um, it was published by Oxford University Press in 2003. It is, alas, out of print and is not available as a digital book. So there was just no way to get a, get a hold of it in time. But um, I would, I really would have liked to have read that one anyway. So I read this other one that was coming well recommended in lists of uh, books about the Medici, of which, of course, there are a gazillion. I will say it's an old fashioned book. You can definitely tell it was written originally in 1974. It's not out of print, though, which tells you something about 
how it's been received over mm. over the decades that it's been that it's been around it's so so i will say everything i know about this comes from that okay so what i'm going to tell you is christopher hippert's version of events this was horrible i'm 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 scandalized i'm i'm horrified cuz I mean, it's one thing, right? We've been doing crimes for a couple of years now, and I'd like to think of myself as a basically worldly person, or at least not as naive as I was growing up in the Midwest. But, oh my God, I was raised Catholic, okay? And the idea that they killed these guys, they, they killed them not only in church, but in the middle of the mass. And, and this is the part that really is sacrilegious they used the elevation of the host that moment and then the ringing of the sancta spell of course at the same time which symbolizes that at that particular moment that's when the host goes from being that's that is the mo that is the holiest moment in the mass yep yes it is when it is when when you the host goes um from being the bread to being the body and blood, the body of Christ, right? So it is, it is the central moment of holiness, but it's also really visual because the whole, the guy, the, the priest is lifting the host up. And so everybody can see it and everybody is supposed to be di dipping their heads at that point reverentially. So, so they used that as their go sign. And I'm, I'm horrified. It's so it's so blasphemous. It is so blasphemous that if it, it is one of these things that has to have happened in real life, because if you tried to write it in a book of historical fiction, your editor would say, oh, no, sweetie, nobody would do that in the Middle Ages. They too, have too much reverence for religion to do that. <laughs> no. No, we, <laughs> we've had some I'm mentioning, other sorry, I'm mentioning this the very next time somebody tries to tell me about how the Middle Ages was this horrible time in which people only did what the Pope said and they were really, really religious and they never, ever did anything ex against their religion, which I hear a lot. Yeah, it's total, it's total silliness. Yeah. I'm whipping out that time that somebody used the elevation of the host as their go sign for an assassination. <laughs> Now, because we've had, I, I, I want to remind us all that we've we've covered some uh, murders in churches. Uh, there was Robert the Bruce killing John Coleman in front of the high altar because he had a little fit of anger. That was pretty bad. Mm -hmm. And there was a bunch of doofuses killing Thomas a Becket in Canterbury Cathedral. That was pretty bad, but but as far as I can tell, this was stone cold sober. This was stone cold sober, um, not a fit of anger, pre-planned, and they used the host. They, they used the elevation of the host as a signal. Very, very tacky. Very and tacky. Two, two of the assassins were priests. Yes, one of them was an archbishop. <laughs> it's so bad. So yes, so it's um, horrific. Um, the, the brother Giuliani had gotten hurt 
three weeks earlier. So here's the only redeeming feature of this whole thing. He had gotten hurt three weeks earlier. So the Ponzi's had all these like plan A, plan B, plan C, where they were going to try to accost the two of them together in public. But Giuliani wasn't going out in public because he had been hurt. He'd, How he'd fallen, he hurt? I think I think he fell off his horse and hurt his leg. Oh, okay. Um, Hibbert says, but I don't remember right at this moment. Um, so he'd gotten hurt and wasn't going out in public. And so this was like their plan D. And and their original assassin who had agreed to kill, to be part of the plot in public, pull, backed out when they're like, okay, we have to go. We're going to have to do this in church. Too many people have heard of the plot. We have to move. And the original guy's like, this is where I get off. <laughs> I am not killing anybody in church. <laughs> Do you know what happened to him? Because like the Potsies, uh, they were all in trouble. When the the people that Lorenzo was able to save were not conspirators or co-conspirators, they were people who just happened to be related. You know, so do you do you know what happened to him? I don't re- I don't remember whether Hibbert I'd love talks to know. about that. Yeah, that would be really interesting. I mean, my guess would be he got swept up. But if he had any sense at all, if he had any sense at all, he left town. <laughs> It didn't matter. They tracked everybody down. They tracked people down from Constantinople. They it did not matter. <laughs> it did not matter. You did not get away. I, I didn't read it. I, now that I said I didn't read about. It. And then so and so went to London and was never heard from again. There was nothing. No, they were gone. Mm-mm. They found him. Well, I'm sorry, Michelle, that this was so upsetting and scandalizing. It's pretty scandalous. I I just. I'm really pretty shocked by, and I'm pretty shocked that they somehow thought that there wasn't like the, the potsy, I mean, that they somehow thought that pulling off, I guess it's one of these places where you have the sunk cost fallacy kicking in because they've planned everything by now and they feel like they have to move. And so they just keep, they just keep going down this worse and worse path. And yet they somehow think that, this method of execution is not, even if they manage to pull it off, is not going to have ramifications for their ability to take control of the city. Right. Well, yeah, it, it's, you know, when we were talking about Darnley murdering Rizzio, I was calling it the stupid plot. I think this is like the stupid and tacky plot, but it's really very, very stupid. What were, what were the, what, what this, so this was plan D. What was A and B and C? What were they going to do that might have worked better if it had come off? They had earlier plans for encountering them in public spaces. So, okay, so a dinner is happening over here. We'll figure out how to get into there. Or there is an event happening over here, you know, a public festival. Oh, they, they'll be there, so we'll do it there. But because Giuliano had been hurt, he wasn't going out in public, and they... They, they got to where the only place they were going to be able to encounter the two of them together was was at okay. mass okay and although and and uh giuliano and lorenzo were running florence together they were they were co they were co-running people florence together people although lorenzo really was the stronger of the two so yeah so they wanted them both they didn't want to let giuliano go because they'd still have a leader they'd still have a de medici leader exactly okay, that's exactly that's exactly got it, it. 
unsurprisingly, this is really a topic for historical fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew that you would have stuff for uns- us there. Unsurprisingly. But the one that I um, looked at was the one on Netflix because that's really recent. Um, it oh, was oh, on there's Netflix. There's one on Netflix. Netflix. It is. And it's really, it, I think it might have been a victim of the of the pandemic because it ran from 2016 to 2019, mm-hmm. but did not come back after um, after the pandemic. Yeah, I but, watched it. I enjoyed the hell out of it. I do. Oh, <laughs> I, did you? I, did you actually watch it? I have not watched all of it. I did watch the episode with with the with the actual um, murder. Yeah, I'm going to go back and watch that now that I'm clearer on what was going on. Yeah. Oh, it's fun. It really is. <laughs> and you know, the thing is, I, historical fiction that uh, that I know something about, but not an enormous stuff, that, that's always very easy for me. Whereas historical fiction where I actually really know a lot and have problems, uh, but no. So I just got to enjoy the Medici. It wasn't like watching the Tudors, for instance, you know, where you have to like explain all the time about where things have gone wrong. I mean, I thought it was something Netflix clearly did based on the success of Game of Thrones. I think there are unmistakable, not not parallels with, but debts to to Game of Thrones in how it's handled. I mean, right down to the fact that some of the actors, Richard Madden, who, who was um, Rob Stark. So Richard Madden is Cosimo. Mm-hmm. And the, the Potsy... Uh, patriarch Jacobo is played by Sean Bean. Yes. It's always nice to see Sean Bean. I like, um, did I, did you, you know that I had a, like a thing where I was watching all Sean Bean that I possibly could because I wanted to know, does he really die in everything? He doesn't. He doesn't. (laughs) Although I just wanted to tell you that, but yeah. (laughs) He dies in kind of a a lot of them though. It does. There's a high percentage of Sean Bean actor deaths. Yeah. 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 Any rate, yeah, Sean Bean's in it. Yeah, I was fairly impressed with it. I, um, you know, of course, it's, it's, it's fiction, right? They've they've tightened things up. They've sexed things up. Everybody's more attractive than they would have been. Yeah, Lorenzo, uh, Lorenzo was not handsome. We are told, and there because he's surrounded by artists, we do have some depictions that he's not as handsome as his brother. This is true, but I. Th- I thought they did a nice job with the actual assassination scene where they, um, I thought the filming choices were really interesting. There's a lot of shots from above. There's, there's really interesting music. I thought that the handling of the crowd was done really well. The kind of chaos Mm. that immediately breaks out once the assassination attempt has happened. Yeah. Mm. And it doesn't really shy away even though the sympathy of the show is with the medicis it's called medici the magnificent it's not called you know the potsy underdogs <laughs> it, it, the sympathy of the show is clearly with the medicis mm-hmm. it does not actually shy away from how the riots break out and people are just murdering right you know well lorenzo didn't like that he really did not so 
He was begging people to be restrained. I, I, I don't know where this is happening, but I like to imagine him like, you know, standing like, you know, when the sheriffs do in um, American movies where people are coming to lynch somebody and the sheriffs stand in this like, you, you, Eleanor, you brought bread. You were saved. But, you know, they, he, he makes, says to all of the people there something that ties them into some kind of humanity and let's not kill each other. I like to imagine him doing that, but I don't know if he did. At any rate, he did try to make people behave. They didn't. No, they did not. And that really is, you know, one of the reasons this didn't work, because the the, the city ultimately was not with the rebels. The Medici had a history. Um, Hibbert thinks it's not especially earned, but the the Medici had a history of being liked by the populace. Yeah. And so this is one of those instances where, you know, you might hear about this, oh, the Pazzi family goes up against the very, very important and incredibly, incredibly strong Medici. You might think that the sympathy is going to be with the underdog, but it is not. It isn't. And uh, my sympathy is not with the underdog and yours isn't. It was in the church. At the high, at the high mass with the post and everything, it's just so the murder itself is dreadful. You know, Florence was not wanting the Depazzi's to take over. You know, so yeah. So in this case, uh, oddly enough, in this case, I'm not with the underdog. I'm I'm okay with the Medici's at this point. Am I all the time at every minute? No, but right now, yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. It's 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 tricky because Lorenzo is the subject of a fair amount of. Um, mythologizing mm-hmm. that comes afterwards. He's of course. I mean, you're doing well if your nickname for posterity is Lorenzo the Magnificent. Yes, and it wasn't one of those ironic things. It, you know, it wasn't like you know Pedro the Good. You know, it wasn't like that. Yeah. No, no. It it was it was meant, and part of that is that the the Medici's were always really clever about paying for public works right right paying for buildings paying for art Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. patronizing patronizing artists there's some very funny stories uh, that hibbert tells about them finding the artists you know so so brunelleschi and and botticello and the rest of them michelangelo of course so it's, you know, it's a good idea to have the artists well inclined to you. And it's mm-hmm. a good idea to spend money in public ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? It's, a, yeah, it's yeah. a lesson Andrew Carnegie learned very I was, well. I was about to mention Andrew Carnegie. Yeah, absolutely. Here's a library and a museum. Ooh, you're so cool. Yep. Yeah, public works really matter. And things that are visual and uh, used and useful and loved, that matters a lot. And as I say, the Depachis did build a church, but it wasn't it wasn't like that cathedral. The the Medici's got the cathedral done. They did spend an awful lot of money. I mean, they they really did on things that were for the public. Um, and you know, it's not. I, I mean, they're not. I'm not. I don't want to sound like they're perfect or anything, but because they're clearly they're bankers. But they at least have enough sense to know that if you want the public to be on your side, you'd better you'd better spend some money on public works. When we were talking about uh, this earlier, before we uh, came to the recording, you um, you were upset. I remember you saying something at the very first about the Pope, that the Pope was behind all this was um, also distressing to you. 
it was just yes he the the potsy go to him and they meet with him and he kind of does this wink at them and says do whatever you want as long as nobody gets killed and what they take that to understand is we actually i actually don't care whether you kill somebody i'm required to say that so what they what he says is do whatever you want as long as there's no killing and what they hear is actually i would be okay Mm -hmm. if lorenzo and giuliani giuliano end up dead so it isn't this kind of thing like where um henry the second for instance has a little fit where he says well no one rid me of this priest or something like that we don't really know and is misunderstood because the the minor knights that hear him that go and kill uh the archbishop don't actually understand that Henry has temper fits all the time and then he gets over it. They don't get this. And so they go and kill him. It isn't like that at all. This is deliberate. This on the part of the Pope, this is deliberate. It's certainly, I mean, Hibbert, Hibbert, of course, Hibbert thinks so. Hibbert thinks that, and the Potsy seem to think so. This is the only explanation I have for why they thought it was going to be okay for mm. them to behave in such a sacrilegious manner. They, they, they must believe that they have the Pope firmly enough on their side right. that the immediate thing after this kind of blasphemy isn't going to be their excommunication. Well, they're right. The Pope excommunicates Lorenzo. And puts Florence under interdict. The Pope doesn't go, oh my God, the Potsies, you have been so bad. Not only will you lose all your money because Florence takes it away from you, I will also excommunicate you naughty, naughty people. That is not what he does. They were right. That's really dreadful. Well, I'm sorry, honey. Yes, it's, it's just like we have, we have a thousand years of people behaving badly. And sometimes uh, what we have are people, are Catholics behaving very badly as Catholics, you know, specifically Catholicism, not good, not good. Being very naughty here, very naughty indeed. Pope was naughty, the Patsies were naughty, very naughty. Very, very naughty indeed. And I can just imagine, you know, because I also uh, know Catholicism, and I can just imagine being there at the moment of the Mass (laughs) and all of a sudden having violence break out. That would be very shocking indeed. What, What Hibbert says is, and again, I don't know his sources for saying this, but what he says is that that's that's one of the reasons that that Jewel, that um the brother ends up dead because he you know Lorenzo is the skeptical one so even when he's doing the head bow thing he's kind of got one eye open but the the brother was more devout and so he is full on in the moment and so he doesn't have that half second to mm-hmm. react that mm-hmm. Lorenzo has. Lorenzo actually manages to um, to get his cloak off and wrap it around his hand and start wailing on people. And once once his assassin has realized it's no longer as easy as he thought it was, he flees. And that's the point at which our poet is able to drag Lorenzo into the sac- sacristy? Into the sacristy, yeah. And, and barricade themselves in. Lorenzo got wounded in the neck, but it was a a mild wound that the brother did not have just that extra half a moment to to react Hmm. they weren't messing around the they they um you know lorenzo's assassin is trying to slit his throat that's why he's injured in the throat and they i think they did the same thing to the brother um because he went down pretty fast yeah he went down very fast 
it just just this just feels so substantively different to me than what happened with John Komen or what happened with Beckett because so much of that is about reacting in the moment in a hot-blooded sort of way this is this is so cold and planned there were 600 troops outside Florence waiting to come in it's very cold-blooded it it feels more like Joan of Arc the murder of Joan of Arc where How you're so? because because it is this misuse of religion oh, to do it. terrible political things got it got it got it i i would have i would have lost if if this had shown up on a trivial thi- on a trivia thing even after having been a medievalist now for decades if the if this had shown up on a trivia question did i think that somebody had committed murder in the 15th century in the middle of mass using the elevation of the host as the signal to start stabbing i would have said no no of course not. i would n- i would not have thought that that was possible. no you might do it in front of the high altar you know where you're supposed to be having a peaceful talk with your you know cousin since everybody's related but oh you know but nah not at mass yeah, I don't know if the I don't know if we've got the de Medici showing up uh, on our list at any other point, which is actually kind of nice. It would be nice if the de Medici's get out of our one thousand years of people behaving very badly list. Yeah, but the de Pazzi's were ruined. Very sad. I mean, that's it. You know. So, and if you happen to be just related to the conspirators, you were ruined. I mean, the entire family was just done. So that's always really sad too. Like, you know, if your brother goes and does stupid, bad things and then you like lose all your money because you happen to be related, that's not good. Not good. But this is a place and a time where uh, family and family connections is paramount. And so whether or not you were in on the conspiracy, you're under house arrest, but we're going to let your daughters get married. Okay, fair enough. I really don't have a, a ton more. There, there really are lots of, you know, lots of fiction about it. But I really kind of stuck with the Netflix one because I thought uh, that most recent handling was was really well, was really pretty well done. Um, right. And the the unmistakable echoes of the Red Wedding in how the how the assassination was filmed. I mean, I was just struck by their, their screaming mother. Mm. Yeah. Oh yeah. I had really, you know, in in thinking about the actual piece of history, I'd forgotten that there are not the only Medici's who were there. They all, they all went to mass. Yeah. Oh, very sad. the, The show's handling of their mother is just, just, it's just, heartbreaking she's she's mm. screaming yeah because uh, yeah that's interesting yeah because i was thinking about the de Medici. when i'm thinking of, about the de Pazzi's, i'm thinking about the entire family because everybody is so clearly affected i've forgotten that of course all the de medicis are although i was thinking about bianca i will say that they have them barricaded in the um, sacristy and the the people are the people are trying to get in and finish Lorenzo off and Lorenzo's mom is trying to get out and get to the brother, mm. get to her son. Oh, that's a nice way to film it. Was it was terrible. Yeah. God, it was awful. <laughs> well, 
This particular podcast has not gone on as long as we might generally, but um, we understand that that is because one of us was really scandalized, very scandalized, and could just even hardly think about anything else except the scandalous nature of the entire thing. And so there we are. That's been our discussion of the time that uh, one of the families of Florence tried to take down the biggest family in Florence and really failed so very badly, very badly indeed. Mm. One thing that I do like about the Netflix handling is that a lot of the actors are actually Italian. It's done in English, but a lot of the actors are actually Italian. They're not all, but an awful lot of them are. Well, yeah, the Sean Bean, no. Yeah, not Sean Bean and not Richard Madden. But mostly they're a bunch of Italians, which is kind of nice. <sighs> we're leaving Italy the next time. Do you remember what we're doing? No. What are we doing next? We're going to Ireland in the at the end of the 8th century. So you'll be happy about that. You'll be much more oh. comfortable. Yeah, because we're going to talk about the time that uh, one of the kings got assassinated when Bran Archon gets assassinated in Ireland, 795. So that's what, what we'll be doing next. Oh. We could make, you know, we were making a little collection of, you know, uh, uh, blood feast, you know, when people get married, get murdered at dinner. Uh, we definitely need to make a collection of church murders, you know, the violation of sanctuary when people get murdered in church. Honestly, you read about, yeah, you read about these rules and you think, really, was it had, did it have to be a rule? Did you have to say out loud that you don't murder people in church or when you've invited them to dinner? And clearly you did need to say that out loud. Well, clearly you did. Because um, we've mentioned a couple of, so we've, a couple of the other uh, church murders, but you remember also uh, during the uh, massacre of the Danes that uh, the, Danish citizens of Oxford got burnt down in the church, remember? That's right. Because they went there for sanctuary, and that didn't work. Sanctuary only works if the people who are coming after you uh, believe that it matters more than what they're doing. Mm -mm. Yeah, honestly, I'm going to have to hopefully run across some instances in which it did work, where you went, you went running for the church, and they shut the doors, and the people outside went, oh, okay. Elizabeth the Queen. Ah. Absolutely. She took sanctuary and she was there for a long time. That's good. She and her she and her kids. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's nice to know at least one. The, the boys got murdered only when they were taken out and taken to the tower. They were not in sanctuary when they got murdered. So there's that for the end of the Plantagenets. You know, there's a little bit of behaving. There you go. So sometimes, yes, sanctuary actually worked as sanctuary. Not always, though. And we tend to hear about the times it didn't. So that's our discussion uh, about the Pazzis and the Medicis uh, at High Mass in April. This has been True Crime Medieval, where the crimes are just like they are today, only with less technology. And uh, we are on, you can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcast and Stitcher and all the places where the podcasts hang out. Uh, you can find us at truecrimemedieval.com. True Crime Medieval is all one word. And there you can find the show notes. Michelle does the show notes and transcripts. We're working on getting them back all together. Lori Dietrich did them for quite some time, and now we're doing them. Uh, Michelle is doing them. 
And uh, I do the blurbs and find enormously interesting pictures to stick on things. And you can reach us through the uh, webpage too, and you can leave comments. And we'd love it if you left reviews in the places where you are finding us. And yeah, so we'll be in Ireland next time. We like to go, we're all around. 1,000 years, an entire continent. So that's, that's us, bye. Bye.